90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> we, we, we were telling dad jokes before the, the show started here. It was. Yours was a slow burner. Like, it's going to, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I got myself under control. Hey, where were we last week? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, that's because we are in the middle of moving my business and to be honest i can only handle about 14 12 hour days straight in a row before i have to take a break <laughs> oh you're probably taking a break to record too aren't you <laughs> yep yep you know 8 eight thirty at night uh taking a break before getting up at five o'clock tomorrow to do it all over again oh boy that sounds that sounds fun man that's yeah that's a lot of a lot of work. Um, I was just thinking, like, I haven't moved in a long time. So I don't, I don't remember how terrible it is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, and, and definitely don't remember, you know, how terrible it is uh, moving an entire shop. <laughs> we're guesstimating that in the past, let's see, it'd be five working days, six working days now. Uh, we've moved roughly 40,000 pounds of equipment. 40,000. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> it's quite a bit. Uh, today was the last of the big stuff. We had riggers come, and they moved all of our giant machines because they are insured, and they have bigger forklifts than mine. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Good call. Good call. And semi trucks. Oh man, that's those are impressive pictures. Mm-hmm. It was a little stressful. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, we also got a semi delivery this week, which is fun. oh, what'd you get? Yeah, we got a truck, um, a big diesel truck, um, not the diesel that was driving, but a big diesel truck that my husband is going to um restore for someone one of his friends and so it was living in idaho and the truck driver had some horrendous tales of trying to get here through the snow that took him like over a week because everything was closed down so wow i bet yeah yeah and that was the scary part because the truck did get damaged when he loaded it up so that was Ooh. yeah that was really really scary so i understand your um yeah holding your breath for a long time (laughs) right (laughs) yep and it's a long windy road uh well it's okay it's not that long but it's a very windy (laughs) road to get to where we're moving to it's unfortunate in a way because you know we're not moving that far but you still Mm -hmm. have to pack everything like you're moving across the country oh just because you can't yeah you don't want it to be hurt in any way now, at least we're able to make multiple trips so we can reuse some of those packing materials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I thought that's kind of what I just, you know, we'd make a real short show this week, but I wanted to talk a little bit about why we're moving and what we're moving and uh, kind of why I would 
have been a little bit absent, and hopefully in the next week or so we'll be, I'm not going to say done. We'll be operational, maybe. Yeah, exactly. You're probably not going to be done for a year, right? Because you've upgraded space significantly, and this is what I wanted to hear from you, because we're also building a shop as big as your old shop, not as big as this. Um, And it's like... Man, when you walked in there, like, just did the possibilities just, like, blow you over? (laughs) They did. And what is really wild is, so in our old shop, you know, you've been there, it was jammed. Yeah. It was starting to get really packed. (laughs) And all of the equipment looked very large. Right. (laughs) It is relatively large. I mean, you know, the lathe is 14,000 pounds. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at it looks ridiculously tiny in this space now (laughs) it just looks empty it looks like we own nothing yeah it truly does and it's like okay those are some big pieces of equipment yes and then i noticed that there's somebody in a picture in the back and it's like no that's a big space (laughs) you don't own anything (laughs) so i've been walking between seven and ten miles a day just moving stuff inside this building (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's i can see it this is so what did you upgrade in terms of square footage because you know people on the radio don't have this picture (laughs) yeah so we were in a 40 by 60 building so that's 2400 square feet Mm -hmm. we've been there for about three years a little more yep and we're moving into 19,200 square feet (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 10 times as large. <laughs> yeah, almost 10 times the amount of space. <laughs> Amazing. And, like, getting to this point was quite the headache. So at least it's got to feel good that that's over with, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of red tape because this building was built pre-code enforcement out in the county mm-hmm. it's in unincorporated county land mm-hmm. which it's the wild I know there's west a lot of people that that's a <laughs> unfamiliar concept oh we're in unincorporated uh, county land so whenever there's a fire three different city fire trucks show up right yeah <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's not in a town it's mm-hmm. just out there which I, I, I'm very used to that concept, but somebody else I was talking to recently, one of our customers, it just blew their mind on the spot. Oh, man, it's the best. It's yeah. the best. It used to mean that, like you said, it was the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, there are laws. Yeah, fine. And <laughs> so, yeah, we had to go through a site plan review, which was very thorough, looking at all aspects of the property, what we're going to be using it for, uh, square footage, parking spaces, road access, drainage, just everything you could imagine had to be evaluated. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was a process. We started that process right about January 1st. Ugh. It's mid-March now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just finished closing on this property. Oh, what a headache. Yep, I had to go through some county planning meetings and go present my case and produce a lot of documentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got that done. Then we were able to actually close on the property. 
we get into the property, and, you know, we'd planned on doing some renovation uh, in the very lightest sense. Right. Like, we don't need, and this was part of the discussion that we had in, in planning, was like, I'm not going to go in here and, you know, build a lot of walls or tear down a lot of walls. I need a big open space to put big equipment and have people. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we're not really doing renovation. But we're doing renovation in the sense of, wow, this paint is really old and not colors that I would choose for a shop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, time-wise. You know, when you've got a building, just the front building, so it's, it's four buildings that were built on to each other over the years. Mm-hmm. When the front building is still 40% larger than your old space, it takes a long time to paint just one building. <laughs> I mean, were you painting on the inside? Is there, there's a dry wall or like, I mean, these are metal buildings. What are you painting? Or are you painting the outside? Oh, we're painting the inside. So there's, uh, in at least in the first building, the walls are almost completely covered with pegboard. Oh, okay. All right. And there is some drywall, which we're also repainting. Gotcha. Okay, so just sprucing her up a little bit. Sprucing it up, making it look good, doing, you know, the just little tweaks that we would want before we move in. We, right. We've all done that, right, when you buy a house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a process. And just getting the stuff moved in, honestly, has been a process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it looks like, I mean, did everything make it on one semi-load in terms of all the big equipment? All the large equipment fit on one 53-foot semi-trailer. But, I mean, it is. It's stuffed on there. <laughs> Very heavy 53-foot semi-trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy. Hmm. Okay. So we had everything prepped. You know, coolant was removed. Machines were parked, machines were bolted in place, disconnected from electrical, like 100% ready to stick a forklift under it and load. Mm-hmm. And it was eight hours. No kidding. I actually would have guessed it was longer than that. It would have been longer than that. And that's with a crew of five riggers. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Or, no, I guess it was seven if you don't include lunch. But yeah, it was it was quite a process. It's very impressive to watch them handle these machines. Mm-hmm. I consider myself and most of my guys pretty good forklift drivers. Right. <laughs> They're better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been, it's been fun, too, because we're using a forklift at our old shop when we're moving, you know, pallets of material. And at the new place, I'm borrowing a skid steer, or a bobcat, as it's Ooh. more colloquially known. Ooh. Which is great, because it's kind of muddy out at this new place. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's next to a field. And the controls are very different, if you've ever operated these two machines. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. I've On only... the forklift, you go with your feet, and you raise and lower and do all the stuff with your hands. Mm-hmm. And have you driven a bobcat? Yes, yeah. Yeah, a couple yeah, times. Yeah, so you go with your hands and you raise and lower with your feet. Yeah, uh-huh. 
<laughs> exactly. So I've only done a I've only driven a forklift one time. So, but I've driven a skid steer a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. So between switching between those and driving a manual transmission and an automatic transmission to get trailers back and forth between the shops, <laughs> I generally have no idea what I'm actually operating. <laughs> You're probably like qualified for a helicopter pilot now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, that is, yeah. I mean, I imagine you're starting before sunrise and ending after sunset, right? As one of my good friends says, from can to can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's exhausting. Exhausting. It, it is. Um, I think we talked, I, mean, I think we talked right after you signed and i was like send pictures and i saw one picture and then i just didn't hear from you for a week and i just assumed that yeah that you were running it <laughs> pretty hard <laughs> yep i don't know how many loads of stuff i've hauled back and forth on trailers last night lindy and i were up there you know buying a transfer pump from harbor freight Right before they closed to transfer coolant out of the machines because our old way was not working right. Uh, it was, well, it is a process. And mm-hmm. then in the new space, part of the hard part is how do we lay it out? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How did you choose that at all? Just like by what came off the truck first or what? <laughs> No, so we had 3D printed all of our machines to scale and then laser cut the buildings out of cardboard to scale. <laughs> so we could play with a little dollhouse of where we want all these machines. Oh, I think I saw this when I was up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did, yeah. Yep. And so we had an idea, and then we got into the space, and we tweaked the idea some. And then so by the time these guys came, we actually had squares taped on the floor where we wanted everything. Oh, my gosh. That's probably the first time that's ever happened to them. Well, except for the last time they came to our shop. Well. But yeah, it was it was very easy. It was, you know, this square says mini mill in it, place mini mill here. <laughs> oh, bet they were so excited for that. <laughs> That's awesome. But it is still a challenge because, you know, like with the, the equipment they moved, a lot of it, we have no way to move it once they set it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had to be very comfortable with that decision when they drove off today. Yeah. Because it's a very expensive process to get them to come back. Oh, <laughs> gosh. That's, yeah. That's scary. But, I mean, the good thing is, you know, even if you did want it moved around, it's not because you need it moved around. It would just be because you wanted some workflow right. a little differently. And we're putting some new machines in, too, which is interesting uh, we've got a machine that's still in the crate that we have not even uncrated yet because we didn't have room for it in the old shop. Ooh, ooh, new toys too. Yeah, and I don't know exactly how it's going to fit where we're going to put it. Hmm. But I think that's a good spot, but we have to make that decision now for other purposes that are going on, for moving other equipment in. Right. You know, like we have a, a deburring tumbler that we, it has basically big rocks in it and we throw metal parts in it and it vibrates and rounds the rough edges off. Uh, I want to throw big rocks in it with the other big and, rocks. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but yes, <And> continue. <laughs> it, it's a fantastic machine, but it vibrates a lot. So we have to bolt it into the concrete. Oh. It's like we, again, don't really get a chance to try again on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess we could, you know, we could go cut yeah. the bolts off with the grinder and all this. But really, once it gets set, that's probably where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of standing around and staring. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And at this point, after having done pretty hard physical labor for seven or eight days in a row, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Oh. It's that's so hard though, just because you don't know what it's gonna feel like using it all. But that's all right too. Yeah. Well, and we're we're working on what we're trying to plan, so we don't have to move anything when we get future equipment. That was a big problem in the old shop because we didn't have the space of if we wanted to change a piece of equipment out or get a new piece of equipment. It mm-hmm. meant playing this terrible game of Tetris yeah. with very heavy machines and yeah. very expensive forklifts. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. uh, so I think about this one. I don't know why my husband and I like to re um, like m- move our furniture around a bunch. I don't know why. Just something we like to do. My friends make fun of me incessantly about how much we <laughs> reorganize. But it's like, man, do you just put all the machines, like, how far up against the wall do you put them? How much room do you want? You know what I mean? Like, when you have this huge space, are you starting to populate the center part of the shop? Or do you just, like you said, because you want to move new stuff in, do you just put everything, like, lined up around the wall to leave room in the middle for later? So we're trying the concept of these are forklift aisles, like, down the center of the machine room is a forklift aisle wide enough to get a large forklift down. Mm-hmm. And that line is holy. Thou shall not place equipment <laughs> in that line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the old shop, we didn't have the luxury of the space to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we've left a service alley behind the machines wide enough to drive a scissor lift through. So you can get a scissor lift behind them to get up and tinker with electrical or whatever you need to do or get on top of the machine. But the rule for the service alley is thou shall not put anything not on caster wheels here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it, that's a lot of dead space, and we don't need it often. We probably need it once a year when we get and vacuum the cabinets out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if it's on caster wheels, no big deal. We do our spring cleaning. We roll everything out. We do the cleaning. We roll it back in. Gotcha. Makes sense. It reminds me of like... But yes, the forklift alley is holy because we've spent too many times (laughs) just, you know, 30 minutes of rearranging pallets in the other place to be able to get to something we need. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Just terrible. Um... That's funny because that reminds me of, you know, (laughs) when we're talking about doing stuff out in the yard, like putting up a chicken coop, all this jazz, it's always like 
the lawnmower has to fit between that and the fence. (laughs) And, you know, you say that and I say this about like a service alley because we've made that mistake. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) And as our second shop, we have some more experience now in the layout of, hey, we really didn't like this. Mm -hmm. Or we really liked this. Like that worked well. Yeah. Gotcha. Like having 110 volt plugs hanging from the ceiling by every CNC machine. Mm-hmm. Does the CNC require it? Nope. You know what does? A vacuum when you're cleaning it, or a light when you're trying to do something else, or a phone charger when you're standing there running parts for 12 hours, or like... Uh-huh, exactly. Yep. So little convenience things like that, you know, making sure everything's on retractable drops from the ceiling, making sure all the machines have... I like I use hydraulic hose for the airlines on those, even though right. it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um making sure there's blow-off guns at every machine, making sure there's task lighting above every... Just stuff that we know we want that's not hard to do. It's just time-consuming. Right. Right. Oh, that's a bunch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, overall, how many hours do you think till you're operational again? Like, including the mo- prep and the move and now operational. Like person hours? Yeah. Ooh. I don't know if I want to figure out this number. <laughs> I would have thought you already had it. That's why I asked. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I have an idea, but, you know, the idea went out the window day one. <laughs> let's see. So I figured we'd be down for two business weeks, and we've been down, a, or we're going to be down a little bit longer than that. Um, let's see. So there's 40 hours in a week, and there's three of us working, and we're going to be down. So that's 360, I'm going to call them paid hours. Mm-hmm. That doesn't okay. include my weekends, my parents that have been coming out, my mm-hmm. wife that's been coming out, and painting and helping haul. So let's roughly double that. So I'm going to call it 700 hours. Man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yep, that certainly makes me tired. I'm ready to go to sleep now. Thank you. And (laughs) interestingly enough, this place, it has a water well. Mm Mm-hmm. As do I. (laughs) Well, it was built in stages, so the part of the building is served by a water well, and part of the building is served by city water. Mm, That's terrible Um, yeah we're i'm meeting a plumber tomorrow to try to see how expensive it'd be to get it all switched over to city water Mm -hmm. that well should be called non-potable like yeah it is not a great well Mm -hmm. i thought it'd be so cool having a water well we get great nope not here yeah that's understandable Hmm. i mean if there's already city water there it seems like that's probably going to be able to happen but it's just gonna cost money like everything else (laughs) yep like moving equipment like Uh painting walls like doing all the other little thousand details we need to do exactly and the the place is heated with propane which as you know is expensive ridiculously expensive (laughs) 
Uh, so I found a great propane provider. Now I'm waiting on getting the propane tanks changed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every place that I buy, so the, the the building that we were in until last week was a. It used to have a gas company's like lay down yard. They had a backhoe and some other stuff there. Okay. And apparently people came in there all the time trying to pay their bills or dispute stuff, which oh. is not what they did. They were maintenance. Oh. <laughs> people still come in. I've owned the building for three and a half years. People still come in trying to pay their gas bill. Did you just start taking money? <laughs> the sign on the side of the building says our name. I have a sign on the door that says this building no longer houses the gas company. Hmm. And people still come in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I So the place that we're in now used to be a wholesale outlet store. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no telling how many dozens of people we've turned away. Just in the past week? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. They closed in December, but apparently it was not widespread. Oh, man. And the other problem, so I've got to make some signs for that. But the other problem is, too, is then people just walk in and go, well, what do you all do? Yeah, see, uh, I think, I mean, it was interesting because you said, you know, we're way out here. Maybe that won't happen. I can see in your location now that that happens a bunch. Yeah, and it's like, we don't create insurance liability hazards. Please leave the building. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's heavy equipment moving around. It is not. It's not a place for somebody that's not used to working in this environment to be standing. Mm-hmm. You need just like, you know, hard hat zone only signs everywhere. I know that's not going to stop most people, but. Oh, it... I got a hard hat for Christmas, which sounds like a horrible Christmas gift. But it's actually amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. If you wear a hard uh, hat a lot, like you want a nice one. Yeah. This is a carbon fiber one. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, it's so light. I forget I'm wearing it. Oh, like, I'm I, I, at some point, I'm going to this. walk into a restaurant wearing it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And it's got a headlamp that clips on the front, <gasps> like oh. on the hard hat, and it charges with USB. Oh, my goodness. And I just learned that they make the 3M, you know, the big ear cup mm-hmm. earmuff things. Mm-hmm. They make those that clip onto the sides of the hard hat. Oh, my gosh. That fit this hard hat. This hard hat is stellar. <laughs> and my favorite thing about it is it's full brim. I don't like the ball cap style hard hats. I like full brim hard hats like you used to wear doing construction in the 70s. In case you're out in the rain. <laughs> yeah, man. Got to protect your ears. <laughs> but I, uh, no, I'm I'm actually really thrilled by that. And <laughs> it was... It's like, I'm sure this seemed like a very odd gift to <laughs> 98% of the population, but it was amazing, and I've been very happy to have it every day for the last week and a half. Yeah, I bet. No, that is fantastic. Um, if, if it has all these accessories, I bet it's only a weird gift for 85% of the population. <laughs> it's true. Every electrician probably wants one because they're made oh. by Klein Tools. Oh, my goodness. Which is the Milwaukee of electricians. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's super cool. I'm certainly gonna look for one. Excellent. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm glad you're getting back into the world of the living. <clears throat> Slowly, I'm mm-hmm. about to go. You know, see if I can 
soak out some of this tension in every muscle in my body. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> Good call. Uh. <laughs> Should uh, yeah, find a spa or something for <clears throat> your quarterly forced three day weekend. You need to definitely go get a massage. <laughs> my Apple Watch told me. Great job. You've exceeded your exercise goal 647%. (laughs) (laughs) And then it said, maybe you should sit down. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that's excellent. Um, (laughs) You should probably need a cold beer, too, right? Something cold. (laughs) You know, I I have been living in an extreme environment these past few weeks. We'll get the segue in there somehow. <laughs> and that brings us to everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah. I thought this was really weird, particularly because, like, I've been thinking a lot about, um, y- you know, what I'm going to work on on my sabbatical and all this jazz. And one of the classes that I used to teach was this course called Extreme Environments. And we would spend a third of the course on uh, deserts, a third of the course on glacial environments, and then a third of the course on planetary, like different planetary stuff. And so as I was searching around for those sort of topics, I found, yeah, another Mount Everest, because we know I'm all obsessed with that. <laughs> Extremophile. You've read Into Thin Air a few too many times. Uh, only five, man. Get off of me. Uh, That's and, a view too many. And every single associated book from the other people that were on that expedition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Link- that's a whole nother show. Lincoln's is a really good. That was my favorite one. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I didn't have access to the actual article because the findings were published in Arctic, Antarctic, and Alpine Research. Mm-hmm. You mean you don't subscribe to that? <laughs> I'm surprised I don't, right? It seems like something I would be interested in. I'm certainly going to try to look it up um, in more depth, at least interlibrary loan it or something. But I thought this was a really interesting article that talks about the microbes that humans are leaving behind on Mount Everest. Yeah, so I don't really ever think about our microbial signature that we leave. Mm-hmm. I don't watch CSI. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it especially seems like, and you know, there's lots of talk of this with COVID. Well, can it live on a clean, you know, stainless steel surface? That right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like to me Mount Everest is a pretty harsh environment. There's not much to munch on. All the water's frozen. By the way, it's cold and it's windy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a place microbes would survive very well. Yeah, none at all. But, but apparently, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really thought that this article was going to be about poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be something about the decomposing bodies. Oh, mm-hmm, yep, yep. And it's about really neither of those, which is also interesting. I will point out that this is by Dragone et al., and the actual title of this um, of the publication 
is genetic analysis of the frozen microbiome at 7,900 meters above sea level on the south coal of Sagarmartha. And I'm so excited that they are using the Nepalese name for Mount Everest in this um, title. And that means the lap of God, just so you know. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what they're looking at was it was more like akin to the COVID example you were giving because they're looking at you know, what are, they had people who were at 7,900 feet, which I imagine is like the fourth base camp, um, take samples and they saw the normal extremophiles that they would. But then they're seeing stuff like Staphylococcus and Streptococcus that are certainly human um, microbes that are shockingly living here. And you might say, well, so what? Yeah. <laughs> to me, the so what is this is important because we have discounted the potential of life on many, I'll say celestial bodies, because mostly moons is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That are icy, cold, and barren. Yeah. Because we didn't think anything could live. Mm-hmm. And it turns out some of our hardiest bacteria are living. I mean, it says... I love it that they say Mount Everest is a hotel, California. They can most microbes can check out anytime they like, but you can never leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know the other point they made in here was it's really important to understand this because if we go looking for life on one of these icy moons, and we assume that anything we bring with us will just get killed off when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, probably not the case. Mm-hmm. We might contaminate that moon with our bacteria and kill something else that's there. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, say there was something there when it was our bacteria all along, um, which I think is a definite possibility. I mean, surely we've put some bacteria on Mars by now with all the space junk we've got up there, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way we haven't done that. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, too. Um <laughs> I also love, <laughs> this This cracks me up because, um, yeah, One, the co-authors did this too, but they also called up, you know, friends who were already on Everest working and being, and, and asking, hey, by the way, can you pick up a scoop of soil and send us back to, send it back to us? <laughs> right. <laughs> the weirdest request from your friend yes, that you're going your... to Mount Everest. Exactly. And it's just so funny how, like, science is, yeah. I mean, it's so (laughs) communal in this way. I remember that I was taking, I was leading a field trip. I don't think it was for this extreme environment class. It was for my catastrophic sedimentation class. But one of our colleagues, um, Megan Elwood Madden, was like, are you going by the Great Salt Lake? (laughs) I said, well, yeah, we're flying out of Salt Lake City. And she said, cool and hands me like you know a bag full a bag full of jars and tells me how to take some samples for her (laughs) so yeah that was on the way to the airport (laughs) uh one of the grad students in uh, my grad school lab was going to be driving across ohio it's like hey here's a five gallon bucket and a shovel we need some till (laughs) oh it's just the best that makes me very happy. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I remember driving samples out west as well. Like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. In geology, it's all about carrying dirt and rocks around for your friends. Oh, that's exactly right. I have I have two gallon size bags of of lus for yeah for our buddy Steve. Just picked up yep. on the side of the. I'm like, yep, I'll be out in the desert. Sure, I'll grab you some stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I just thought this was very cool, and um, we've talked a lot about stuff that you find up there and so now it looks like even if you're just sneezing or coughing or walking around there is enough human traffic on mount everest that now our germs live there too yeah so that's a very interesting paper about a very i'm gonna say at this point controversial subject of everybody Mm -hmm. going up everest in the tourist season being so insane there yep i think that is a fair assessment yes But if you would like to send us the cultures of your bacteria or a bag of your soil (laughs) so that one day a study might be written about it, Shannon, how can they do that? We'll add it to our collections. You can get a hold of us. Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. John is at geo underscore Lehman. I'm at Shannon Doolin. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters for supporting us. You can do so as well. Patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding